Good morning. The scripture today is found in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 34, if you'd like to follow along in your pew Bibles. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and dust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food? and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, nor reap, nor store away in a barn. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. Thank you, Jean. Uh, I would just mention, I put some reference sheets uh, at the ends of of the aisles, if you're interested in those. There's some verses I'm going to just refer to today, and and if that's easier for you to follow along, uh, and if you want to have them to look at later for kind of look at the larger context, you are welcome to do that. Let's pray together. Father, guide our thinking together. Open our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us today. May all that we do and say honor and glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. So my modest goal with this sermon this morning is to revolutionize the way you view yourself and the world in which you live. That's what we're shooting for here. Uh, I want to do that first by, I want to read you part of a poem. A man by the name of William Ernest Henley in 1875 wrote a poem entitled Invictus. And I want to read you the first and fourth stanzas of that four stanza poem. Out of the night that covers me, black as the pit from pole to pole, I think whatever gods may be for my unconquerable soul. It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishments the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. A more modern poet, 
worked mostly in the middle of the last century, in the 20th century, wrote similar thoughts that I would share with you this morning. On the faraway island of Salamisand, Yertle the turtle was king of the pond. If I could sit high, how much greater I'd be. What a king! I'd be ruler of all I can see. All mine, Yertle cried. Oh, the things I now rule. I rule a house. I rule a mule. I'm Yertle the king. Oh, marvelous me, for I am the ruler of all that I see. You see, the challenge we face today, whether it's through Yertle the Turtle or William Ernest Henley, is that throughout history, it comes down to what we seek. Do we seek the kingdom of God or the kingdom of me? Our scripture this morning culminated in verses 34 and 35 of Matthew 6 of what Gene read. That, uh, Matthew 6:33 is a verse in college that I took as my life verse. That was the verse that I wanted to live by. And with somewhat faltering steps, I have held to that thought. But that verse, as you remember, goes... Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. That's what we want to talk about this morning. Who is the ruler of my life? Which presents three questions that I propose to answer to you. One, where do we find God's kingdom? Number two, how do we demonstrate God's kingdom? And number three, how do we build God's kingdom? I want to talk about that both for us as individuals and for us as a church. So, where do we find the kingdom? If we had been alive in Jesus' time, we know that the kingdom in in the Jewish mind at that time was restore David and Solomon. Restore the glory days of the kingdom that God had established in the earth. For most of us today who are Christians, I think we most often think of the kingdom of God as something that comes later. It's the afterlife. I would propose to you that neither of those are completely true, though they have portions of truth in them. So, That brings us to, if those aren't the kingdom of God, then where is it? We come to John the Baptist in Matthew, in the ninth chapter, or sorry, not the ninth chapter. In the third chapter, we come to John the Baptist, who says, just prior to baptizing Jesus, the kingdom of God has come near. That's something that we we recognize in John, that he was preaching the kingdom of God. That's why people had to repent because the kingdom of God was near. After his baptism, Jesus preached the kingdom. It says in 935, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. You see, 
Jesus directly tied God's kingdom to himself and his ministry. All of those miracles that he was doing were proclaiming the kingdom of God. Later on, a little, the very next chapter, Jesus sends his disciples out to preach. He sends them in his name. He gives them the power to preach in his name. And he says, as you go, proclaim this message, the kingdom of God has come near. The message of the kingdom came from Jesus through the disciples to all of the towns and villages where they found themselves. Later on, when the Pharisees had begun to be pretty upset with Jesus, they accused him of being, of being demon-possessed. And he said to him, well, if I'm demon-possessed because I cast out demons, what about all the guys in your midst who are casting out demons? Aren't they demon-possessed too? And then he goes on to say in Matthew 12, 28, but... If it is by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Jesus, once again, to the Pharisees, proclaims, you want to find the kingdom of God, look at me. Toward the end of his ministry, Peter says to the Lord, what about us? Jesus is just talking about the culmination of things. And Peter says, what about us? And Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. I propose to you this morning the matter is settled. Now and for eternity, we've answered this first question. The kingdom, the kingdom of God is in Jesus and all of us who are in him, are already in the kingdom, and it is in us. It is through Christ's death and resurrection that the kingdom is secured, and we are assured of our place in it. We can be sure of the kingdom of God and our place in it. But if that is true... How do we demonstrate the kingdom of God then? Here we are on earth in the midst of all this jumble of circumstances. How do we demonstrate the kingdom of God? I propose to you the same question that I would propose to Yertle the turtle. We can be people of the earth or we can be people of God. We can be me, 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 We can only live in the kingdom of me or we can live in the kingdom of God. That is the choice we make as we think about demonstrating the kingdom. In the passage that Jean read, I would point out three quick things to you. One is 
Where do you store your treasures? The first paragraph there that starts with verse 19. Do not store up yourselves treasure in heaven. And it ends with where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So where do we store things? That's the question. Life is cumulative. For some of us, it's very cumulative. But life is cumulative. And it is through where we store our things that we demonstrate our values. Where do we invest? We demonstrate God's kingdom through our priorities and our energies. To what do I give priority? To what do I devote my energies? Where do I spy, do I spend my time and my talented efforts? This is not, by the way, works righteousness. It is exercising God's righteousness as he is at work in us. And this allows us to show him, to show the Lord to the world around us. But not only where do we invest ourselves, where do we store ourselves, but where does our light come from? That's the second paragraph of that passage. The eye is the lamp of of the body. If we do not have light, how great is the darkness? Where does your light come from today? Where do you gather your light? Where do you gain direction? What is the focus of your life? I would venture to you three ideas about that. One, our light comes from God's Word. There's a reason we talk about the Bible. We look at the Bible, we read the Bible every Sunday. And I hope all of us read the Bible every day. There's a reason that God's Word is so important because it is our light. It is the basis of the light that guides our lives. I would also add, however, that light comes in the fellowship of the believers. We pray together. We share together. We talk about our lives together. We support each other. It is in that fellowship of believers that we also gain light. And we also gain light in the work of ministry. Whatever your ministry is, and I look across this room, and we do all sorts of ministries in all sorts of ways, just in our little congregation. There is also light because as we walk, and as we minister, and as we share, God not only touches those that we minister to, but he fills us and works in us as we minister. So our light comes from God's word, our fellowship together, our ministry as we carry it out individually and together. And so knowing that we have access to God's light and as we look at where we store the treasures of our lives, we come to that third question. Who's your master? No one can serve two masters, it says in verse 24. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both masters. 
As much as we might like otherwise, there is no fence straddling. Who is your master? You can't serve two. I'm not going to answer that question for you, who your master is, but you know in your heart. But I would recommend a guideline to you. Here's a guideline that you can use about examining who is the master of your life. It's something that the deacons and I are working with uh, in, in our time together this year. Love God. Follow Jesus. Build the kingdom. It's very straightforward. As I look at the context of my life, as I look at the actions of my life, am I loving God? Am I following Jesus? Am I building the kingdom? That's the tremendous opportunity that we have. And as Jesus is our master, loving God and following him and building the kingdom is how we demonstrate that kingdom to those around us. But if we kind of got an idea about how to demonstrate, how do we go about building? That seems like a more ominous challenge. How do we build the kingdom of God? By the way, I would remind you, the church is not is what God does, not what we do. The church is what God does, not what we do. As we demonstrate his kingdom and seek to build his kingdom, it's about what God does. First, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.20, as you, on your study sheet there. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. On Christ's behalf. The kingdom is built on the cross and the resurrection. The whole kingdom of God is built on the cross and the resurrection. So, okay, how do we do that? We do it in two places. One, we do it in our life. And I would challenge you that the building of the kingdom begins with our recognizing the victory that Christ has brought to us through his resurrection. Sometime this week, go back and read chapter 22 of the book of Revelation. Chapter 22 of the the book of Revelation describes... The, king, the city of light that will come when God comes back to earth to make all things right. The victory is ours already. We can live in that assurance that the victory is ours, Jesus is coming again, and we can know that in this day and all days. Satan has already been defeated. It's not about whether Satan is going to be defeated. Satan has already been defeated. The cross and the resurrection did that. We need not have that fear that about Satan. He's already been defeated. We stand in the kingdom. We stand in the, in the kingdom as God's people today, this very hour, every day, and every hour, as Jesus promised even the thief next to him on the cross, that that very day he would be with him in paradise. So Jesus promised from the resurrection that we are with him in his kingdom 
here and now. Now, what about the church? Sometimes I feel like building the kingdom. When I think about building the kingdom as an individual, that's daunting. That's a job that's bigger than me. It's not bigger than me in that God would only have us do what we do as he guides us. Remember, the kingdom is what God does, not what we do. But then as we think corporately, how do we do that as a church? I would say that the whole role of the church, the whole role of the church is to glorify God. That's how we can examine what we do as a church in worship. As we gather, is all that we do glorifying to God. We want to be sure that our prayers and our songs and our fellowship and our study of the scripture is that which brings glory to God so that all who come into our midst are convinced and assured these people are all about loving God and following Jesus in this place and that brings him glory. The second part of us as a church is what I call nurture. How do we as people together in God's family, in God's community, get to know Jesus better and better? We want to be working. We want that to be our endeavor together to get to know Jesus better. And the third thing that I think is equally important to both worship and nurture is fellowship. It is fellowship that challenges us, invites us, encourages us to have open hearts. It's a wonderful thing when when one of you comes to me and says, hey, listen, would you pray for me about whatever? Or I go to one of you and say, here's something you can pray about. And as Pastor Chris said last week, a, a great exercise in that is to pray right then and there. But being that as it may, that sharing of our lives, that fellowship of our hearts is what causes us to build the kingdom because it opens our hearts. And as we open our hearts, we are more ready to open our hands to each other and to those around us outside this fellowship. And as we worship and nurture and fellowship together, and as our hearts and our hands are opened, we will reach out and touch the lives of each other and those to whom God brings to us that we also may touch. So folks, the challenge is to seek. To seek Jesus and therefore also to seek his kingdom. In all things, in all ways, seek Jesus Seek the kingdom. Because remember, death has no victory. C.S. Lewis says right at the end of his children's story in the last battle, when Aslan is leading the children through the doorway into the great kingdom, he says, one, one of them says to him, Aslan, are we dying? Yes, but death is not the end. Death is just the beginning. 
What a marvelous truth of God's kingdom that is. Death is only the beginning. And through Jesus' death and resurrection, we can trust him. Know this today. You and I, those of us in Christ are in his kingdom. We are already victorious. But I would say to you this morning, if you don't know, or if you know that you're not, or if you're not sure that you're in God's kingdom, come and talk to me. Because you can be a member of God's kingdom today if you're not already. But those of us who walk with Jesus rejoice. We can rejoice and be confident. We can, as it says in Matthew 5, 16, right before the passage we read, let our lights so shine among people that they may see your good works and glorify God. May Let our lights so shine among people that they may see our good works and glorify God. Be people of God's kingdom. Love God. Follow Jesus. Because loving God and following Jesus, that is seeking the kingdom.